Hello, everybody, and welcome to Going Deep, Sports in the 21st Century. I'm Dr. Marsha Mount Shoup. And I'm Coach John Shoup. John's coached at the highest levels of the game of football for 26 years. And Marsha is an author, theologian, and minister. John and I met in a religion class in Oxford, England. Actually, we were in a pub. Well, yeah, but my point is you like to think deeply. And you love sports. I do. Marsha doesn't just love sports. She's a cross-country coach and in her alma mater's Hall of Fame. We're Team Shoot, and we're glad you've joined us to go deep into some of the most pressing issues of our time. On this show, we go beyond sound bites and highlight reels. We're going deep. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome to Going Deep. I'm Dr. Marsha Mount Shoup. And I'm Coach John Shoup. Welcome to part two of our concussion discussion. We're going to go into some of the challenges and roadblocks and some of the politics that are facing our guests and anybody that's interested in this concussion issue. We welcome again three expert guests who really do help us go deep on this vexing issue. First, Dr. Tom Talavage, who is a professor in the Purdue University School of Electrical and Computer Engineering. Tom has a joint appointment in the Weldon School of Biomedical Engineering, and he's the founding co-director of the Purdue MRI facility. Tom's also one of the co-principal investigators in the Purdue Neurotrauma Group. He's joined by Dr. Eric Nauman, who is the director of the College of Engineering Honors Program, professor of mechanical engineering and in the School of Biomedical Engineering and Basic Medical Sciences. Eric is also one of the co-principal investigators in the Purdue Neurotrauma Group. We're so glad to have Tom and Eric back. Welcome. And welcome to Coach Terry Peebles as well, who's worked at every level of football. He was an All-American quarterback at Hanover College, assistant coach and coordinator at the college level, and is currently the head football coach at William Henry Harrison High School right here in West Lafayette, Indiana. Let's talk some about some of the problems, some of the politics, some of the roadblocks, um, you know, one of the things I heard the other day on another show I was doing was that CT is the only form of dementia that is completely preventable. Um, we've been hearing about some of your findings that, you know, these are some things that we can do things about. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if we could talk a little bit about just some of the politics. I know this is a tough, a tough issue. It's a bit of a, a frustrating issue. I know it has been for for John and me as mm-hmm. as people very close to the world of football for 26 years it still kind of confuses us about why people are so conflicted about mm-hmm. doing what's right um when it comes to the well-being of players John I think you said you'd worked at Purdue what for 2 years before you even knew this study was happening at Purdue Right one thing that's alarming to me in the culture is that that could be the case. It was, in fact, WBAA that invited us to a discussion that Tom and Eric were doing. I wonder, Tom, Eric, you're doing your study with Harrison High School football team, which is amazing. Why is this not going on with the Purdue University football team? This is 
the school that went to the moon for crying out loud. That is an excellent point. Um, <laughs> we ha- we actually have had a decent uh, uh, cooperation from some of the coaching staff and the athletic trainers, um, but it's been very difficult for us to get well one funding to to do a lot of this work, um, and that's a whole a whole another issue we can probably get into. Um, but also, there's it, it the athletes are spending so much time and working so hard that one of the things that keeps coming up is if you if you if you work with them on a study and it takes 20 minutes a day or it takes two hours on a weekend suddenly you're just they're just going over the edge and there's not enough time to work with it um but i also think we we uh um the coaches are interested but the rest of the administration is really not and i think that's partly because there's a lot of uncertainty as to where a lot of the lawsuits are going to go. You know, the the NCAA is part of lawsuits, the NFL is part of lawsuits, but it looks like the NCAA is going to let most of the schools go on their own mm-hmm. and defend themselves. And so we've kind of made the argument that Purdue should probably get out in front of that and say, here's the literally the best technology, the best uh, uh, research that's being done. You're going to be a part of it. And we're going to make sure your kids are safe, right? You got mm-hmm. to recruit. If it seems like you should be able to say that and and win the recruiting battle, but yeah, I, I mean, I've I've made some similar arguments mm-hmm. um, with athletic administrators here at Purdue that it's a win-win to right. have such an amazing study going on at the school. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, <clears throat> I think too that um, some of what you're saying is you know the kind of argument about time and there's so many NCAA regulations about how much athletes can quote unquote be you know in the building and uh, being coached and things like that however I think that really gets back to what are our priorities Mm -hmm. and how do we regard the priority of the well-being of student athletes and and how and because to me this all gets packaged with a bigger question of just the rights of student athletes of collegiate athletes to have a healthy and robust college experience um avoiding brain injuries would seem to be a good part of that i mean you're absolutely right and that's one of the arguments that we that we make and we put forward and and you know these these kind of studies are expensive but when you consider uh, how, I mean, so we've done seven years, we've had about a million dollars, right? So um, we haven't paid ourselves to do any of this work, um, which hmm. is the, usually the case with grants come in. And, and the, But we haven't done that. We've taught extra classes. We're trying to get this, uh, make this available to as many at student athletes as possible. And so it would, it, it is the kind of thing that I think, um, is almost going to have to happen because those priorities are going to have to get reset at some point. And, uh, and I think you bring up a very good point that, that we've got to look at the health right. and, and make sure that these kids are doing well all the way through. Just one Did interesting thing. Yeah, one interesting thing to note is actually our study was originally supposed to be done at the college level, but uh, there'd been a coaching change at that time back in 2009, and those, for the reasons that we've stated, reported at least, that was the reason we ended up not being allowed to work with the college team at that point. 
And so we that was how we ended up having to take advantage of the fact that Purdue has the strong athletic training program to connect to the local high schools. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, having been an alumnus of Jeff, that allowed us to get in over at Lafayette Jeff for that sure. first year. Now, Eric, two barriers that you said were time, 20 minutes a day potentially or two hours on the weekend. I've been with these players and have lived with these players for the last 26 years. There's time. That's bunk. If anybody says that they don't have time, I'm now saying that's there's nothing more important than this. Re- I, I agree with that. I've been in college for 18 years myself. Sure, Terry. Th- there's plenty of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they only go to yeah. school for 18 hours a week, and, they, and that's if they're taking a full load. Right. And I don't. I wouldn't think that uh, most of the players are during their seasons. Yes. But let's get to specifics. I would argue as well. There's certainly money in this business. Now, my question to you: We're talking about the only form of dementia that's preventable. We're talking to two engineers at the greatest science, math, and technology school in the world who have technology to see if a player is reaching this boiling point. And we're saying that there's a funding issue that's keeping the Purdue engineers from using this technology with the Purdue football team, yet they're using it with the local high school team. What funding are we talking about and what amount of money is needed? And as a community, let's think about this. That's a, yes, absolutely. Um, there, it actually, to, to do this right and to, and to work with the athletes and to, and to implement this, we've actually run budgets and if you, if, yeah, if you wanted to run this over for the for pretty much all the contact sports at Purdue, keeping in mind we don't have hockey and we're you know we're some and and or rugby or anything like that, but um, we do have rugby. It's a club. It's a club, <laughs> right? It's a club, <laughs> club sports. Um, so, but to run it for the for the university um, would cost about four hundred thousand dollars a year, which is expensive. But what it, what we would add to that and what we've what we've uh, suggested is, you know, this whole idea of, of when you get a head injury or you're getting close to or you're seeing your faculties uh, diminish a little bit. Maybe you're not aware of it, but but we can see that and we see it's happening. One of the things that keeps coming up is when, when can they go back and take exams? Like if they do get injured or you have mm-hmm. to take them out of practice, when can they go back? And at a school the size of Purdue, there's actually a lot of non-athletes that get a concussion or get hit on the head and and unfortunately there's this you know prevailing theory that everybody recovers from a concussion in seven days which is utterly ridiculous but that's the that's the classic you know medical response oh you'll be fine in seven days um and so one of the things that we would be able to add to that to the to the study of the athletes is the the notion that we would have a whole bunch of of students who also participate as controls, and then we can we can track those. If those somebody gets injured, just on campus riding their bike or slipping on the ice, those nice ice polishers, yeah, sailing boom hits them in the head. We could actually help them figure out when they can go back to class. What kind of things should we do for them? Those those kind of things. 
nobody else has even come close to. And that's, that's where we'd like to see this go. So it, it, it helps the students mm-hmm. and it helps the student athletes. And I think we could do it all. $400,000 a year sounds like a, a lot of money. But not when, in football. But when you, and when you look at some of, of the budgets, in it, it's entirely doable. Yes, it's entirely doable. And I think what you're saying also gets back to the question of culture. We've been dancing around this mm-hmm. a lot. And I think, you know, in, in 2009, the NFL, when, when there were hearings um, on Capitol Hill, was compared to Big Tobacco. Uh, the NCAA is being, you know, compared to cartels and all sorts of not mm-hmm. nice words <laughs> about how they function and how they do business. And, I mean, some of what, what we're getting in the kind of, institutional rhetoric not just at Purdue but Mm -hmm. all around the country is that we're doing everything we can because we have these new protocols we take their helmets we we have all these diagnostic tools and that's the that's the avenue that the NFL is taking too of well we're we're doing cutting-edge stuff with you know, treatment of concussions, diagnosis of concussions and things like that. So in a sense, the the public rhetoric is, hey, we're on top of it. We're doing how how do we start to impact the culture in such a way that we begin to be able to ask the very difficult question that Terry, Coach Peebles knows nobody wants to talk about this. Is there a direct link a causal link between just playing football and, of course, other sports too, and head injuries. Okay, there's a lot there. Yes. Let me. Let me <laughs> so, so one of the things that we have to say up front is that um, this these sports can be played safely, and we want them to be played safely. Mm-hmm. Um, I love soccer. Mm-hmm. I love football. I've had to watch a lot of football over the last seven years. I. Yeah, anyway, I thought going in, I thought that would be awesome. And now I'm like, okay, we got another game to watch. All right, watch another game. But, but one of the things that shows up, and, and you mentioned the, the big tobacco or the cartel kind of thing. Um, it's very interesting. The, the NFL has set up, or, well, the NFL is actually, I think, much smarter than big tobacco. They're, they're pushing a lot of the research. They're getting other people to do the research, and they're trying to fund other people to do the research while they still retain control of it behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And that's a big reason why we haven't gotten a lot of money from, from various agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very interesting to me to see the NCAA go along with them um, because it really is kind of a setup. Like the, the, the study that the NCAA is funding now I think each imaging site that they're that they're funding gets what four million. Four million over four years. Four million over four years. We've used a million over seven years, um, and so so they're they're going to schools that don't have any track record of doing any imaging, and they're saying, okay, we want you guys to wait until somebody gets a concussion, image them, and image somebody who's taken similar hits, hmm. and what that and what we know and we've told the NCA we sat down with the head medical director of the NCA and showed them what they were going to find. Because we can show you a concussed player, and we can show you somebody who's had similar hits, and their brains look the same, or very, very similar. And yet, if you look at them preseason to to when they had the injury, it's a huge difference. Hmm. And one of the things that was very interesting to me is the NCA put this study together, and they 
at the beginning they expressly forbade uh, preseason scans. And you can't do that. That That isn't science. So if you say, you know, is there consensus on the science, there is when you do the science correctly, hmm. right? So Tom's insistence that we have preseason scans at the very beginning, even though nobody in the field had ever done anything like that, was was crucial because then we were able to go forward and see how everybody's changing. So, so from in my mind, they're setting up the science or they're setting up the experiment to show that concussions aren't that big a deal. The other guy looks the same. Mm-hmm. But if you were to look at them preseason and then after a concussion, you would see a tremendous difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it's, it's one of these things that has, is killing me mainly because we showed exactly that data to the head medical officer at the NCAA and were ignored. Mm-hmm. Just a quick follow up on that. Um, yeah, the, to, to follow up with the, with the care consortium, the NCAA DOD this is a thirty-five million dollar project. They just were given another, an additional fifteen million, so it's going to become a fifty million dollar project over just four, three to four years. Um, <clears throat> their, their big finding that they just announced at the International Brain Injury Association meeting in, in Den Haag in the, the Netherlands uh, was that oh, it takes longer than two weeks to recover from a concussion. And their results, as uh, were relayed to me by one of our, our colleagues who, who was at the meeting, were, as he put it, they could have just been taken out of uh, one of Eric's papers mm-hmm. uh, where we documented that it was taking the athletes five months after the season to recover from the exposure during the season. He said it was, it was almost the exact same graph, and they were presenting it as a brand new thing. So there's a big PR machine going on mm-hmm. here, and, and it's all the NFL kind of stuff, their results. Right, and so and so just to kind of wrap around the other part of this question is that the culture of football like those parents that want their kids to hit or is that the culture of making money and trying to not have a liability cloud hanging over your money machine i i don't know what i think probably both Mm -hmm. uh you know (laughs) everyone has their own reasons for doing what they do i you know you, you talk about the culture of football and you know, is it unsafe to play football? I, I mean, I'm a little biased because obviously I'm a football coach, but I think if it's if it's taught right, if it's organized right, I I think it, it's safe. It mm-hmm. can be safe to play it. Of course, yes. you know, when, when you're playing a collision sport, you always have the, the risk for injury. But I think, you know, as far as I can tell from the Indiana high school football coaches that, that I talk to, I know that we feel like we have to be out front. We have to find a way that is safe for everyone to play because we know if we leave it up to a politician to come up with the, the mm-hmm. protocol, it's probably not going to be very good for us. Mm-hmm. So we, we have to be forward thinkers and, and find a way to get it done ourselves and make sure that it is done correctly so you know people, outsiders, don't necessarily impose things that, that don't work for the sport or... Or for the players. Yeah, exactly. They're not so, for the players. They're for some other... Yeah, so we, we definitely have to be... We have to take charge and own up to the fact that it's it's true. It's obvious. There's, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't fight the data. Mm-hmm. So what you got to do is you got to look at the data. All right, how do we help? How do we fix it? Not how do we hide from it? And that's that's what I try and do with our high school program. You know, we, we, we try and hit it head on and try and... Hey, this is this is no what's pun going intended. On. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, but we don't hit with our head. Right? Right. You leave with the shoulder, right? Exactly, exactly. So, so but I, I think the more upfront and honest you are with the parents, I think it's uh, 
I think it makes it a little bit easier uh, to, to have that discussion during the season if something does go wrong. And it's important to have coaches like Coach Peebles participating in something like this and, and leading that effort because uh, uh, 96%, 97% of the kids that play high school football aren't going to go any farther. Right. They aren't going to play college. They aren't going to play pro. So it, it's important to have them leading that effort because if you've got the NFL trying and the NCAA trying to, to mm-hmm. eliminate any notion that they should have some liability – uh, it it is very easy for that to permeate down, and now and so now we need the coaches to kind of step forward and and and, mm-hmm. and be proactive. You're, you're right. In, in talking about coaches, you know, yeah. Terry, a couple of things I've noticed over the years is one, the move at all levels of the game to passing the football, less just power inside running the ball. Two, the way that you practice is changing. Not at all schools, and not like it needs to, but it's changing. The Ivy League just came out this week. There's not going to be any contact in practice. I coached for 12 years in well, the I'm NFL. Not sure. I'm not, I'm, There's I'm not, no contact. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure when it says contact, I think full contact. There's full no contact. tackling. There's no there's, tackling. There's still, there's still sure. contact between mm-hmm. offensive defense players mm-hmm. or yeah. someone, but, which but not I full think contact. Is, which I think is important mm-hmm. because you got to learn to fit. Mm-hmm. You got to learn how to fit and win those stalemates. One uh, thing, John, both of us w- would recognize it. I mean, we've been coaching a long time. I, I can't think of a time during the course of a football game where it's good to use your head to do anything. I mean, all we do all week is try and teach them how to <laughs> fundamentally block where they don't use their head, where they use their hands, where they where they tackle with their shoulder, where they. We're, we're, mm-hmm. Just to be fundamentally sound, you you try and get the head, the the, the head collisions mm-hmm. out of the sport. Unfortunately. 22 bodies rolling around as fast as they do. Uh, a lot of times you can't take it all out of the game. Uh, but when I think you, when you limit your tackling in practice, um, you know, yes. again, things slow down a little bit. And number two, just your head hitting the ground. I mean, right. it, it's not necessarily head-to-head contacts, but your head hits the ground probably more often than, than a concussion happens when you hit it. You guys could probably tell me the data. But uh, So w- when you don't go to the ground, when you don't have live mm-hmm. contact where you're tackling – you're wiping out a, a huge potential risk for those for those uh, types of injuries, and I don't. I'm biased because we. That's how we run our practices now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you can still get everything done you want to get done. And, and like you said, at the NFL level, I'm sure it's the same way. Where you, your guy's making three million dollars a year as a running back, you're, he's not going to be a tackling dummy. It's actually interesting. <laughs> a lot of teams in the NFL, not a lot, but some. And, and I've been a part of them, practice without helmets on certain days. And while it sounds counterintuitive, what it is is if you ain't got a helmet, you ain't leading with your head ever. <laughs> and uh, it's a interesting take. I, I think the way you practice is something that's important, Tom. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, one thing is, I mean, we just published a paper in uh, Frontiers in Neurology where we just pointed out the fact that um, when we look at the teams, for example, the team that doesn't practice collision, full tackle collisions, we see the fewest changes we've ever seen in a season. The cumulative effect. Yeah, we saw more in soccer than in women's soccer, high school girls' soccer, than we did in the football team that's 
out there not basically not doing head collisions on a daily basis. So it's a great thing to see. It can be done. That's what that's why we continue to say these sports can be played safely. It can be done. And so practice and the culture and and the third thing that we haven't even gotten to, I wonder if you all could just give a, 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 a brief kind of overview of how about the helmets, the equipment? We've got a thousand um, NFL players suing Rydell saying, for negligence, saying they, they promised something that those helmets are not doing. Um, helmets can be safer, too. Helmets can be better. Helmets can be much better, at least twice as good as they are now. now but that is an interesting issue because uh, they all have to meet the NOXIE standard. And, uh, and NOXIE is an organization that, that requires um, certain drop tests to be done on the helmet, and then you report the data to them. And, uh, and it's a very interesting dynamic because they are stuck in the, in the results from the 60s and 70s, where they used hmm. to drop cadavers down elevator shafts and record what happened to them. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's not a good thing. And, uh, and yeah, so, that's kind of twisted. Say it again. It's NOXI, N-O... No, yeah, what, National Operating Committee on Sports Standard Athletic Qu- yeah. Equipment. Okay. Some Athletic Standards for Athletic okay. Equipment. Yeah. So we always, it, yeah, we call it NOXI mm-hmm. for, the, for short. And, uh, and those were great studies back then. That, but what they basically showed was that if you get to a certain level of, of head acceleration, you are likely to break your skull. And so helmets are actually designed so you don't break your skull. That's it. That's they, it. And and it what I what kills me is that we've we've done the testing. We have one of the setups in our lab, um, so we can do those drop tests and we can do our high tech uh, measurements. But uh, but what they do is they drop it. There's no face mask on it, and so it drops. And it and the best way to pass the Noxy test is for the plastic shell to flex. So the, when the plastic shell flexes, it absorbs energy. But the best way for that to happen is if you have really stiff padding. Hmm. So you put stiff padding in there, and when it slams into the ground, it, the, the plastic shell flexes. But then, as you guys know, when you play football, you put the face mask back on. And now it's a very stiff shell with very stiff padding. And so they, they've kind of taken this this strange test, you know, the, the way that they're doing it. And yes, there's no, there's, I, I don't think we've ever heard of a skull fracture in football. I mean, I'm sure you guys haven't had that experience. So, so it does work mm-hmm. in preventing skull fractures, but what it doesn't do is absorb very much energy. So what, one of the things that we've been working on are, are helmets that absorb energy and prevent skull fracture. Hmm. And it is one of the easiest problems in engineering and it's been just brutal trying to get this through and we've talked to companies that are trying to do the same thing and what they've what they've all said to us and and we kind of came up with this too is we're actually going to make baseball helmets first then we're going to make hockey helmets and then we're probably going to have to wait until the helmet companies say we need that in football because it the 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 politics and the liability issues and the and They'd have the, to admit that they weren't exactly. as good as they could have been. Well, the the litigation train is leaving the station <laughs> as we speak, and so it might be, it might happen faster because of 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 the legal issues, or it might happen slower because of legal issues. Who knows? 
there's so much more to to hear. There's so much more here, and I'm I just hope that this conversation can somehow expand the larger conversation and help us to start to shift our gaze away from just diagnosing and treatment of actual concussions and look at the prevention and look at the data that we can have with studies like yours and look at the equipment that we could have with studies like yours mm -hmm. as well. So, so okay, guys, you can talk to one person <laughs> who has power, real power, and that means they got access to money. In this discussion, who would that person be that you would want to talk to? Tom, who would you want to talk to? Oh, we've actually talked to <laughs> well, yeah, that's the crazy thing is we so can, we've actually yeah, sorry, how you, yeah, you say we've that talked now. to the you know head medical officer at NCAA, medical director for Pop Warner. Um, we've talked to oh, athletic directors. Yeah, we've talked to uh, Colonel Hack of Department of Defense. Um, we, I don't know who's left, really. Like, <laughs> we talked with Richard Ellen Bogan, who was at yeah. that time chair of the NFL's Head, Neck, and Spine Committee, where we were informed that, that we had been noticed at the executive level. So we're still kind of waiting to see if that means concrete shoes in the Wabash or not. It might. Because then he hung up right after he said that. Have you talked to the players' union? No, we've not gotten a chance to talk to, to DeMoris. That would probably be the one I'd person that would be most interesting to speak to. Conversely, he's been involved with research through one of our former colleagues, one of my former mentors up in uh, in, in the Detroit area now, uh, Dr. Randall Benson. And I don't know that anything really came of that. However, we do know in the last CBA, as was kind of already alluded to uh, by John, a number of changes occurred with regard to practice schedules and mm -hmm. contact practice schedules. And we know a lot of that was, we were, yeah. in, word was filtered back to us, was a consequence of some of our work. Yeah, the players union has been strong of late on these issues. So, so you guys are having trouble finding that power broker that you'd like to talk to. Terry, do you have somebody you'd like to talk to? Perhaps our, you know, we could go to heaven and talk to God about it or something. I don't know. What do you think, Terry? Well, I, I, I think that probably the, the, the best people to talk to would probably, if you could get them to listen and if you could get them to buy in, would probably be the, the CEOs of the helmet companies. Mm -hmm. um, but I, it, but from, my, from my perspective, I don't have the ability to necessarily do that, and I don't have the knowledge to be able to go to them with what, with, uh, what uh these guys do. So I, the most important thing I can do is, is talk to the parents, talk mm -hmm. to mom and dad, uh, mm -hmm. let them know what's going on. Let them know where we're trying to get. I, I know that John and I have, have, have talked in the past about, you know, back in the late eighties and early nineties and when we were playing football, I mean, it, it seems like the dark ages and I'm sure right. when you look back at the way we practice and no, you can't have any water during practice because mm -hmm. that's a lack of toughness and, and, you know, everything's come so far in, in that 20, 25-year period. And I'm sure that the 25 years before that, there were major increases. So hopefully it continues to go that way, maybe just at a little faster rate, and, and we can get this thing as safe as, as, safe as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Great. I think the, the parents are key. And one of the things that has come up a few times, like because parents will come ask us, oh, my, my son or my daughter hit their head. What should we look out for? And, uh, and that is, that's something we haven't touched on. If we have a second, just mm -hmm. to do that. Because yes. uh, everybody knows, you know, if you're unconscious, that's a concussion. Or if you're, um, you get sensitivity to light or r your ears ring. Um, but we have seen some of the craziest things ever. So we had the one, one player who, 
who came up to the coach and said he's ready to go back in, but he just had mucus coming out of every... He couldn't control his tears, his nose, or his mm. drool, but he could talk fine. He could speak... Like it, and so luckily the coach said, yeah, you're going to sit down for a little while until we figure out why, why these fluids aren't stopping. Um, but then there was one classic case was, a, was um, you know, Cody Leahy, who, was, who was, had a double impact syndrome and was paralyzed. He's, not, he's, he's getting some mobility back, and he's, he's, his parents are really working hard with him. But one of the things that everybody missed was he, uh, he complained of, of itching in his extremities. Hmm. And, uh, uh, and what that means is, you know, he, he just said, well, we live on a farm or near, near a farm or something like that. But, but basically, if your arms and legs feel like there's, they're itching, that is one of those base level things where you're, you're not getting signals through the brainstem the way mm. that they're supposed to go. So really what, what happens that we're seeing that every, you know, and, the, and these are just very, very uh, rare cases, but they're things where if you see something different, if you, if you just see something that just doesn't seem right or mm-hmm. your child makes a passing comment about uh, uh, something that doesn't seem right to them. Like one time I, uh, I was in school and I went blind during study hall. Hmm. And I sat there and my, <laughs> my vision went away. I had my eyes open. I couldn't see anything. I was terrified. And it turns out it was a migraine. Hmm. And I, but I didn't know what was going on. So, and I actually waited like two days to tell my parents. I don't know, I don't know why. Kids do stupid stuff. <laughs> but, uh, but those kind of things, like you know, yeah. as soon as somebody says something just odd like that, you grab them and, and we're going to see the doctor. Good we, good advice. And, and it, I like the direction you all are going because you're like, forget the top. Let's start at the bottom. Yeah. Let's talk to parents. Let's empower players so that they know if something's changing, pay attention. Mm-hmm. What other advice, Coach Peebles? Well, just a quick story similar yes. similar to what we were talking about here. Uh, I had a parent that I talked to two weeks ago, and I just happened to see him. We were walking in the hallway. He was there to pick up his son uh, after weightlifting. And I said, hey, how, how's your son doing? Does is, is he still have any effects from the concussion that, that put him out for the rest of the season? He was a JV football player for us. And he's like, Coach Peebles, i got to be honest, I, I didn't think it was a concussion. He's like, he was playing football. I didn't notice him get hit. Uh, he came home and said he got, you know, quote-unquote, dinged on a play. Um, we didn't see it. The, the trainer that was there didn't see it. We had a doctor there. No one actually saw it actually happen. And the parent noticed afterwards when they were home, his, his son – kept asking him the same question hmm. over and over, mm-hmm. even after it had been answered. And he's like, well, something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. So, so finally there was a warning sign. But he's, he, was, he told me, you know, I'm one of those old school guys. I, I didn't believe what they were saying about concussions and stuff like that. And now here's my son who actually has one. And it's right in front of my eyes. He's like, I, in, in t- if I didn't see this, I'm not sure if I would have come on board with, with mm-hmm. what's going on right now. So, um, yeah, talking to the parents is very important. In just letting them know because we went back and we, after we had heard he got a concussion, we went back on film because his coaches were how, how could we let him go back on the field? So we're looking, trying to figure out could we have seen this on the field? Should we have known? And it, it uh, to be honest, it's it's very very difficult. So mm-hmm. it yeah, is, that, and that is true. It's a lot of I think in many many cases the can because they build up this damage over time, 
the the hit that caused a concussion might be a small hit. Yeah. And there's right. there are little things that often lead up to that. If they ever have a metallic taste in their mouth or something like that, if that's what's called an impact seizure, and that actually happens fairly often um, to players when they when they're they get a hit and then they get this like weird mm-hmm. sensation on their tongue. That's another one of those signs that they just aren't aware of a lot of times. And uh, and so, yeah, it, it often is is not the big hit that causes a concussion. Our biggest mm-hmm. hit, 289. 289, that one didn't cause, like, that kid was fine. Mm-hmm. We I think we imaged it, him the next day. And I, <laughs> I thought we broke the sensor. <laughs> they, yeah. It was unbelievable. And uh, But then there was a guy who took four hits on the same play who left in, a, mm-hmm. in an ambulance. But. What I'm hearing is that diagnosing a concussion is a lot more complicated than just looking a guy in the eye and seeing if his bell's rung. That's exactly right. I've heard right. from mucus to scratching to I didn't even see anything. Mm-hmm. What I'm hearing is you guys have a way to figure if they're in that zone that they're approaching that boiling point you can tell if their brain or as you said tom at the beginning those horses aren't getting where they need to get it may manifest itself in itching your arm Mm -hmm. in mucus in it may manifest yourself in being cross-eyed and knowing you got hit (laughs) that to me uh is alarming. They're more stealth symptoms mm-hmm. than I thought an hour ago. Yeah, it's not always a guy wobbling off the field. It's not always a guy wobbling off the field. And you know, as we wrap up, Tom, I, I want to thank you so much, Eric Nauman. Uh, Tom and Eric are doing just unbelievable work here at Purdue. We're so grateful to have you in in our community. And Terry, I've been all over the country talking to coaches everywhere. And Terry Peebles, thank you for the work you do and kind of the lens that you see this whole concussion issue through. It's not as common as it needs to be, the lens that you see it through, Terry. So thank you all so much for being with us. Thank you. Yes, it's been great having you all, and we've learned a lot. I think the one thing that I'm taking away a lot of things, um, and I want to talk more. You all know I'm going to want to talk more, (laughs) and we're going to talk more. (laughs) But I think one big takeaway for me was the, the difficulty you all had in who you'd go to at the top, that the real change And for us to really start to make the games that we love safer and to help the players we love be safer and enjoy life and enjoy the sports that they play, we start on the ground. We start with the people playing. We start with the parents. We start at practice. We start with the coaches. And, you know, we kind of know that there's this business thing going on at the top and and that's something that's a force to be reckoned with to be sure but the more we can change the hearts and minds of the people who play the game and coach the game and love the game then that's where we're really going to see change that's the takeaway i have my takeaway is each one of you tom you said it eric you said it 
Terry, you said it a number of times. It was said, it can be done. Mm -hmm. It can be done. And there's not one person in this room today that wanted to get rid of football. We love football. This can be done. The way that we practice can be addressed. Terry's doing it on the high school level. Uh, Ivy League coaches are doing it on the college level, and other coaches are too, and so are the pros. The technology is there with helmets. Uh, it's a matter of connecting the people and the willingness of people to do it. What I'm hearing is maybe you start with the parents. Maybe you start on the opposite end of the C not not going to the CEO, but you go to the people M-O-M. that are wearing them. You yeah. go to MOM. You go to the MOM, not the CEO. <laughs> and then the other thing is, and I think this is an important thing. Purdue University is the greatest science, math, and technology school in the country. And there are people here that have the science that tells you when a person is getting close to a concussion. It's percolating. That's information. The study that you guys are doing, the work that you guys are doing, needs to be done at Harrison, needs to be done at every high school in the area, and needs to be done with the Purdue University athletes. And the funding that you said is $400,000 a year. It needs to be done. And as a community, if this is an issue that's important to us, the brains of the people that make up our community, that's a question we all need to ask. We, we need to ask the people uh, of this community, how can we get $400,000 to recruit for two weeks, but we can't get $400,000 to take care of 105, to care for 105 men's brains? And more than that, all the athletes. And mm-hmm. all the athletes. My takeaway is this can be done. This can be done. And uh, I thank you guys for the work you're doing. And we're going to keep doing some work to try to help you get it done. (laughs) (laughs) So we hope that you'll join us for the next Going Deep. We're going to be here with a filmmaker, a judge, uh, and a social worker whose practice is dedicated to the work, to working with current and former athletes. Um, They're all tireless advocates for sports justice and for players' rights. I'm sure the issue of concussions will come up again next time um, on Going Deep. Um, We do hope you'll join us, but right now we mostly just want to thank you for Going Deep. See you next time. Find us on iTunes and ShoopsGoingDeep.com. And follow us on Twitter at ShoopsGoingDeep for the latest on Going Deep, sports in the 21st century.